0: See ya. Awesome. Hey, it's good to be back. It's been a couple years. Lots have been going uh, on around the world and uh, so we're glad to be back here. Uh, My Hawaii speak is just as bad as it was a couple years ago, so I'm not even going to try. Red screen is up there. We got a lot of ground to cover and a short time to get there. That's not a country song, even though it sounds like it. I don't like country songs, but anyway, that's right. But uh, anyway, good to to be here. Just want to give you guys a heads up. If you guys are uh, interested, not familiar with our uh, teaching ministry, uh, you can certainly check us out on our live broadcast. We broadcast on a multitude of different channels. Of course, uh, there's YouTube. That's the easy one there. Uh, Also, uh, as you guys know we unfortunately live in America, spelled with a K now, uh, and they are hacking, slicing, uh, slicing, dicing, uh, taking away, deleting our videos. uh, For some reason, they don't want to hear the truth, and you guys know that with Pastor JD. We're dealing with the same thing anytime you want to get the truth out, and uh, so all of our teachings are at getalifemedia.com, 11 years worth of material. You can get DVDs, documentaries, books, you name it. We don't copyright our material. And we actually have on the packaging. Please make copies. We don't care. Make a billion copies. Give it out there. We're trying to get God's word out in the gospel. Amen. That's what we should do. So keep that in mind. Also for those of you hooked on your phones and tablets. You can download the Billy Crone app. uh, If you're interested for free. And that basically unlocks the whole teaching website. uh, So that you can fall asleep greatly at night. So anyway that's right. That wasn't funny. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I was testing you. You failed the test. But anyway, good to see you guys. Hey, tonight, of course, we're going to deal with the topic, uh, dear to my heart, uh, the coming great apostasy. I don't like it, but I deal with it all the time, uh, the coming great apostasy. And Lord Williams mentioned mentioned, uh, we're going to, uh, if we're still alive and still here, and you know what doesn't happen, uh, we're going to be dealing with two messages back to back on the rapture. Two different messages. So, the first service, if you come, that's going to be one message. The second service, a totally different message. So, if you can pack a lunch, bring some mochi or something with you. uh, Then Did I get that right, mochi? That's about the only thing I can get right. Because I heard it's possibly not even Hawaiian (laughs) of origin. But anyway, that's right. But anyway, that's right. So, we're going to do that. But hey, we want to uh, uh, encourage you to be back if we're still alive and still here. Sunday, both messages on the rapture. Uh, and I think it will be an encouragement to you as well. Uh, invite your unsaved loved ones too. Because it's going to be very evangelistic uh, as well. I'm very blunt. If you're not saved, you better get saved now. It's not a joke. right? You don't want to be left behind. This seven year tribulation It's horrible. Okay, But we're going to deal with something that we deal with here in the church. And that's apostasy issues. So let's go ahead and let's begin in prayer. Father, we love you and thank you so much for tonight. Thank you for a great time that you've given us to gather as your people. To be nourished and encouraged in your word. Or correct or rebuked which is the purpose of your word. And so we just pray that you would uh, open our hearts and minds, give us those ears to hear, hearts to obey, what you would share with us today. And if we need to be corrected or rebuked and get back on track, then by your spirit, please be merciful to us, cause us to respond. Or if there's somebody here tonight that's not even born again, I don't know the heart, but you do. I can be fooled, but you can't. If they're one of these people that we're going to be talking about, these fakers, God, please save them. Oh, please have mercy on them. Save them now before it's too late. And uh, may tonight be that night they know the joy of salvation and, and, and realize why we sing the songs we just sang. Because we love you and we're thankful for you saving us forevermore. And so please bless our study even now. We ask all this in your wonderful name. In Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen. amen. Hey, we are again going to be talking about the coming great apostasy. A little bit of a teaser with that title because uh, I don't know if you noticed it, but uh, we're already there. We're seeing a massive amount of that. But my point is, the Bible told us 2,000 years ago that this would happen in the last days. And if you were to ask me, folks, uh, why the American church, and frankly not just the American church, Canada, whatever, we get emails, phone calls every week around the world. Same sad story. This is going on all over the world simultaneously at the same time. But if you were to ask me why churches are so powerless, prayerless, ineffective, worldly, ungodly, sinful, and anemic, it's because of this issue. We are experiencing this live, and this is just a big of a sign that we're living the last days as what we typically focus on and rightly so and it's good to focus on them wars rumors of wars famines pestilence earthquakes right all that stuff middle east what's going on with israel the jewish people that's very important the rise of a one world government a one world economy a cashless society a mark of the beast type system a one world religion all that stuff those are signs it's getting close right well folks believe it or not god gave us another clear-cut sign that's getting close don't look outside these four walls if you will don't look outside the church the body of Christ pay attention to something horrible that's going to happen inside and that's what we're going to deal with uh, tonight open your Bibles to 2 Timothy chapter 4 okay there's a false teaching out there uh, in the so called church and they would actually say that Jesus Christ cannot come back until the church cleans up the world and cleans up the governments and all that stuff that's a heresy there is no peace coming back to this planet until the prince of peace Jesus Christ comes back Okay. Uh, but as you're going to see, the church doesn't get better and better and better and better. Are you kidding me? It gets worse. It gets bad. And we're going to, uh, you guys like to Greek out? Praise God, all none of you. Well, you're going to Greek out tonight. I love Greek. I love the original language. And I'm telling you, the English gets it right, but there's so much more. There's much flavor when you pop open the Greek. And you're going to see that in this text. I'm going to bring out some words. And man, it's just like, whoa, no way. That's exactly what's going on today. But let's take a look. 2 Timothy chapter 4. Let's go ahead and stand as we read God's holy word. That's something we do in Vegas. And uh, But 2 Timothy chapter 4. Let's take a look. In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, and in view of his appearing hello, and his kingdom, I give you this charge. So what do you do, shepherd, young Timothy? Uh, What's your main thing that Paul is charging you to do in viewing of the appearing of Christ, his return? What do we do in the meantime? What's he say? Preach the word. Preach the word when people like it. No, preach the word so you can be popular. Only the passages you, what's he say? Preach the word, what? In season and out of season. Watch this, correct, rebuke, and encourage. Now stop right there. Do the, how many guys hooked on math? How many guys own a calculator? How many guys ever took math ever once in your life? Okay, so there's correct, rebuke, and encourage, right? Three things there. So do the math. How do you know if you've got a good shepherd, a shepherd who's really preaching the word to you, being obedient to the call of a shepherd, and you're given the whole Bible, the whole counsel of God, then guess what? Two thirds of the time you should be screaming, squirming in your pew, in your seat, right? You should be corrected. Listen, if you only get encouragement, if you only just feel good every single time, 100% of the time, you need to run. You're at the house of the devil. Because that person, I don't care what they say, oh, I love you. It's wonderful. But they never teach you the whole counsel of God, let alone prophecy, which is one-third of the month. You better run. Because two-thirds of the time, if it's faithful, you're going to be corrected and rebuked. How many of you guys woke up and said, Man, I love being corrected? Mick, please rebuke me now. No. So, that, I mean, that says, Whoa, whoa, man. Right? So, again, that's just an acid test. That's what he says. If you're a faithful shepherd, you got a good church. How do you know you're a good church? Guess what? You get corrected and rebuked sometime, right? You should expect it. It's not all fluffy stuff. But here's the problem not in the last days. Mm mm. Here's the problem. This is where they go off the rails, right? That's the right uh, way to do it. Correct rebuke, encourage with great patience and careful instruction. Why? Because a time will come in the future. A time will come when men, now what's the context? Not the world's what? The church. A time will come when men will what? not put up with sound doctrine. Another, it's very emphatic in the Greek. They absolutely will not have it. I will not put up with it. I don't want it. Don't you dare give it to me. What? Sound doctrine? What do you mean? It's the, the Bible. In the church, in the last days, they're going to say, I don't want to hear the Bible. Good thing we don't see that today. Oh, it gets worse. It gets very, very descriptive here. So they're not only going to say, in the church, they're going to say, I don't want to hear the Bible anymore. But instead, to what? Suit their own desires. Now this is cool, own desires. It's two Greek words, idios epithumia. Idios is exactly what you think it means. It's where we get the word idiot. (laughs) The church is going to be run by a bunch of idiots in the future who say, I don't want to hear the Bible idios means self it's all about self their own selfish that's what they want it's all, they, they come to church services it's not about the savior it's about self they're acting like a bunch of idiots right that's that's today yeah, I, th- you heard you hear you deal with this all the time uh, uh, hey i didn't come here to listen to that <laughs> i'm just preaching the bible but that's not what i want to hear i didn't realize it was all about you yeah. you're acting like a idiot <laughs> stop being an idiot we're here to worship Jesus Christ, right? You would think everybody knows that, but that's not, yeah, hey, I, I didn't come. That's not the kind of music that I like. You need to have the programs that I want, you idiot. <laughs> I didn't say it. God did. But where is this? Not in the world. It's in the church. These people say, I want to hear the Bible. In fact, I'm going to be an idiot, and here's what I want. Own desires. desires, is epithumia. It's not just a desire. It means Lust. I'm going to lust after everything that I want. It's all about me. In fact, so much so. Watch this. They will gather around themselves a great number of teachers, okay, to say what their itching ears want to hear. Gather around themselves a great number. Literally, it literally in the Greek is they're just going to pile it on. I just can't get enough of these guys. They just pile it on. We're only going to hire guys that will give us what tickling our ears. It's what he says, itching ears want to hear, and they're going to what? Turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. You may be seated if you can there, but let's blow apart a couple more Greek words that are there. And that is the phrase there, tickling ears or or things of that nature, itching ears, depending on the translation there. And I'll never forget the first time that I broke that out in the Greek and said, what what do you mean itching ears? These guys got allergies, they got fleas, what's going on? What do you mean itching ears? It's actually, it's kinetho in the Greek, you know what it means? To desire only that which is pleasant. Remember, what, what's the context? Bunch of idiots. It's all about self. I'm lusting after self. I'm not coming here for about Jesus. I want myself, whatever self wants. Self, 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 self. Me, myself and I, the unholy trinity right? They, they, they heap upon these guys that will only what? Tell them only pleasant things. They'll turn aside from the truth. They'll turn aside to myths. It's us stories made up. We'll stir all this together. In the last days, yes, there's going to be wars, rumors of wars, famines, pestilence. Israel, you better pay attention to what's going on in Israel. Uh, it's a huge thing. One world government, one world religion, one world economy, mark of the beast type society. And guess what? In the church, it's going to be run by a bunch of selfish idiots. Who will only hire people that will tell them only pleasant things and a bunch of stories made up. What did I just describe to you? Right now. That's the bulk of the church today. Guess what? That's a sign we're living in the last days. Now here's my point that I also want to make inside this. I'm convinced the reason why we're seeing basically idiots now running the church. I'm just being biblical. I know it sounds harsh. I'm just preaching the Bible. Right? That we have idiots running the church. is because I believe these people are not even saved. You think, come on, now you're getting a little obtuse. No, I'm not. Now, this is mentioned all over the Scripture. I'm convinced the reason why, right? We've been teaching through the book of James uh, for for quite some time on Sunday mornings. I've been, uh, uh, Wednesday nights, I've been doing a, a study called Enemies Within the Church and things of that nature. And we show actual evidence of, listen, people in charge of seminaries, Bible colleges, church denominations, they're not even saved and yet they're the ones steering the whole show, this is commonplace now. That's the majority, not the minority. We're the ones in the minority now. But this is a sign that we're living in the last days. And again, you think, well, come on, are these serious fakers running the church? How could that happen? Well, first of all, it's not a foreign concept in the scripture, right? Uh, what's, what's the easiest example to draw out? Judas. Who's Judas? Hello. He was what? He was right there in the midst. He was a faker. Right? But believe it or not, after the birth of the church, Acts chapter 2, this is just like Satan, right? He lost. His gig is up. He's headed to the uh, lake of fire. He knows he's defeated. Jesus whooped him on the cross. He couldn't keep him from rising again from the grave. He couldn't uh, stop the church from being born, Acts chapter 2. And praise God, he can't take away your salvation, right? So what's he do? He just leaves you alone. No, he moves to plan B. Plan A was to keep from getting saved. Well, he failed at that. Plan B is guess what? He is now, ever since then, this is what we're going to see in a second, ever since then, he's been flooding the church with fakers. Right? With fakers, so that if people come into the church, then they'll get a fake gospel, a false gospel, a false creed, and they'll, they'll not get saved, and they'll join him in the lake of fire. Or, if he can keep it up, and so much so, that then the fakers out eclipse the real ones, they'll take over that church and destroy him. Again, this was something that happened right after the birth of the church. Let me show that to you. Fakers, and it's in high gear today, folks. Paul had to deal with this all the time. Read the scripture. False brothers. What's a false brother? Well, again, let's Greek out. It's the Greek word, pseudo, false, autophos, brother, false brother. Yeah, false brother is one who in a showy way professes to be a Christian, but they're what? Destitute of Christian piety or knowledge, okay? And let me give you some examples of that. Galatians 2, 4. This matter arose, Paul said, because some what? False brothers. Now, what, what is a false brother? They say they're a Christian, but they're what? They're not. So he said, it's a faker. Fakers had what? They had infiltrated our ranks They snuck into the church. To spy on the freedom we have in Christ Jesus to make us slaves, right? Paul mentions it here. Listen, he was in danger from these fakers. Second Corinthians 11 26, I have been constantly on the move, Paul said. I've been in danger from the rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my own countrymen, in danger from the Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger, see, in danger from who? False brothers. Some of the biggest people I've had to deal with over 25 years as a shepherd, frankly, I'm convinced, are people who weren't saved. I don't care if you've been a deacon for 500 years. I don't care. If you got saved in the days of Noah and all this, I've been here for a hundred years, boy. I had a guy one time, he looked me down. He says, we've seen a lot of you come and a lot of you go. Threatening me because I was talking about the uniqueness of Jesus Christ. Learned later he was a Freemasonry, but he was a pillar in the church. Hey, just because you go to church service, folks, doesn't mean you're saved anymore. And sitting in a hen house makes you a chicken. You got to be born again. There's a lot of people. I'm telling you, early church, but I'm telling you, it's in mass. It's everywhere. It's way worse. The idiots are running the show. Right? This is why we're in the mess we're in. But he was in danger from these people. Right? These people caused him big problems. Not just problems, he said danger. Let's go on. And sometimes they don't just sit in the pews. They what? They move into leadership positions. Right? That's what we see. What's well, a false prophet and a false apostle? That's a faker, but they're in a leadership position. This is what we see. Matthew, Jesus said, you better watch out for these guys. Matthew 7, 15 through 16. Watch out for what? False prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing. They look good. They sound good. They know Christianese. They're wearing a nifty jacket like Pastor Billy. They've got to be a Christian. No. He says what? But inwardly, they're what? Ferocious wolves. By their fruit, you will recognize them. Right, Paul dealt with them too. Right, Second Corinthians eleven thirteen. For such men are false apostles; they're fakers, deceitful workmen, masquerading as apostles of Christ, masquerading. They're fakers. They're acting like one, but they're not. Right, and he says that no wonder, because Satan himself what masquerades as an angel of light. It's not surprising then if his servants masquerade as servants of righteousness. Their end will be what their actions deserve. So this whole concept that there's fakers in the church is not a foreign concept. It was at the birth of the church. I'm convinced that was Satan's last ditch effort. He's so stinking evil. He's seen how many people. He knows he's lost. He's going to the lake of fire. He's so evil. He's seen how many people he could dupe to take him in there to the lake of fire. Go with him. And that happens if you don't get saved. And I'm not talking in the world. He's already out there. And I'm talking in the church, and this is what he's done. He's flooded the church with fakers, and this is a sign we're in the last days. It's in high gear, dare I say, from 30 years of what's called the church growth movement. These people turned from sound doctrine. That's what happened 30 years ago. Came into the church. I watched it happen before my very eyes as a young Bible college student. And they came in and says, hey, we're not going to preach the Bible anymore. We just want people in the world to feel good. Right and, 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 and then the church and said, no, you can't do that. And here's how they got the church to swallow it. I was there. And they said, well, no, no, no. Yeah, I know that sounds you know, like we're supposed to be preaching the word. And, you know, but, but, but listen, we want them to like us. And so we're just going to talk about some nice stuff. Right? And then really just focus on the music. Right? And then here's what we're going to do. Then we'll, we'll teach them the scripture when they come to a Sunday school class or a, a weekly meeting or something. We'll give them gospel them. Well, then the church swallowed it. But guess what they didn't do? They didn't give the gospel, right? And so here's what happened. I watched it happen before my eyes. You talk about epithumia, you talk about a lust? It was a lust for numbers took over. Because these people got what they wanted. They got a ton of lost people to come to the church. Because lost people like feeling self righteous. They they did their, their religious duty, they feel good about themselves. And so they got a bunch of people in the church. I mean, churches grew in numbers, in mass. But guess what? They weren't saved. But then other churches began to look at that because that became the new idol of success. Not a preacher who's preaching the whole word of God. Not on spiritual growth. As the scripture tells us to do as shepherds, as churches. It was numerical growth at all costs. And so then it was began, I call it the cookie cutter method. It's like how they do that, we're going to do it. And it began to emulate. And that used to be the anomaly. Now it's the norm. Basic Bible believing churches are now the strange churches. Okay? And that's what's happened. But here's the good news. God doesn't just tell us that this would happen in the last days. He tells us how to spot them. When you want to know how to spot one if you've got a faker in your midst? So that number one, you need to obviously witness to them. Or if they've sneaked their way into a Sunday school class position and they're teaching that class or a church board member or dare I say they're behind the pulpit or leading worship or on the worship team, you know what you're supposed to do? Kick them off. And then witness to them. You don't let them stay in that position. But God tells you how to spot these fakers. Okay, and this is what I want to do, right? The first sign to indicate you got one of these guys in your midst, uh, they only seek God with their head. It's just head knowledge. Right? And you've run into those people. Bible calls them out. Right? They ain't no better off than demons. They ain't saved. And here's what James has to say. What good is it, my brothers, if a man claims to have faith, but he's got no deeds? Can such a faith save him? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. And if one of you goes to him, go, I wish you well. Keep warm and well fed. But does nothing about his physical needs. What good is that? In the very same way, faith by itself, if not accompanied by action, is dead. You believe there's one God? Good. Even the demons believe that and they shudder. Hello, demons aren't saved. So basically what James is saying, listen, that not all faith is a saving faith. Faith is a generic term nowadays. God is a generic term. Oh, I believe in God. Yeah, what God? You, the chair, the tree. You got to get behind it. You have Mormons that come out and say, I believe in Jesus. Yeah, but your Jesus is the spirit brother of Lucifer. It's the wrong one. Ain't the same thing. You got to get behind the veneer. People say, well, i got faith. Yeah, faith in what? Faith in yourself? Faith in planet Mars? Faith in what? Not all faith is a saving faith. And all James is saying, he's not saying you're saved by your works. Of course not. The Bible very clear about that. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. You're saved by grace through faith, not of works lest anyone should boast. All he's saying is when you do get saved, right, guess what happens? The moment you get saved, what happens? Bang! You're in with the Holy Spirit of God. And you know what he does? He's not only, as the Scripture says, your deposit, guaranteeing your inheritance. Praise God, you're going to get to heaven. It's actually the Greek word, arbon, and it means engagement ring. The Holy Spirit is God's engagement ring. You're going to get there. Isn't that awesome? It's great. Okay, but he's also there. Holy Spirit to what? Convict you of sin. So that means if you're truly born again, I didn't say you become sinless because you can't be sinless. Only Jesus was sinless. But guess what? He's going to convict you of sin. You're going to have a different attitude towards sin, right? And it's going to bug you now. Someone's going to change. And that's what James is saying. Man, If you sit there and you say you're a, a, a Christian, I believe in God, I believe in God, but nothing ever changes. You have no desire to serve Christ. Nothing's ever changed. You've got no new attitude towards sin. Something's wrong. And you just sit there and you do nothing. Something's wrong. Not all faith is a saving faith. Now I used to have a rule as a pastor that every church that I've ever pastored, I've inherited. It's not been a church plant. And you inherit stuff. You inherit baggage. You inherit the good, the bad, the ugly, right? And sometimes it feels like a Clinton East or Western bad show because churches have got a lot of baggage, right? And so you, and so you, you I used to go into that going like, I'm probably, um, I don't know people's hearts, but I, I was trying to be generous. Probably half the people in the beginning, when I first get there, probably aren't saved because of this issue, just from experience. And certainly the scripture, Right? Because a lot of people go to church services, right? But the word of God's not being taught, or they say, "Hey, come down this altar and receive, you know, Christ." They don't even say that. They say, just walk this aisle and God loves you, and you just got to acknowledge God loves you. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, who doesn't? That's not the gospel, <laughs> you know. Or churches that call it the warm body syndrome. There's always need. There's always needs. You, gotta, you need, got all kinds of stuff, that you know, helping this and that. There's always people you need help, right? And, and so it's like, hey, you know how to, uh, you run a business? Hey, you can count the pennies, right? What's that? What's that? You, 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 you finish high school? Okay, you teach the kids, you know. You know, it's just like, what? You don't even ask or even say you never ask for a... T- this happens all the time. But God, I believe in God. I believe in God. Listen, some of the meanest, nastiest people I've ever had to deal with were people who even knew how to quote scripture? That's good, but that doesn't save you. Some of the meanest people I knew wore a three-piece suit, looked good on the outside like those Pharisees, but on the inside there was nothing going on, nothing to change. They could quote Bible big time, but James is saying, "Listen, if that's all you got, is just a head knowledge. You're in a heap of trouble." Even this guy knows the difference. Watch this.
1: I think that if you're a true Christian, you don't consider Christianity just a part of your life. It is your life. And if you follow the teachings of the Bible, specifically uh, Mark 16:15, which says, go out into the world and preach the good news to all creation, then uh, you have an obligation to share that faith with others if you saw a building on fire and you knew there were people in it, and you knew that you were capable of running in there and saving someone who wouldn't be able to help themselves, if you knew that you could help them, would you just stand there and do nothing? And unfortunately, by not clearly seeing the issue, I think that's what a lot of Christians do, is they just stand there. I think, by and large, most of it is that most Christians are not really well educated as to their own religion's position on various issues. They consider worshiping Jesus to be part of their lives, but not their primary purpose. And I believe that true Christianity considers it to be the primary purpose. And if you're a true Christian, you believe that those who are not Christians, those who have not followed the teachings of the Bible, uh, that have not accepted Jesus Christ as their personal savior, those people aren't going to heaven. They're going to hell. Hell's not a fun place. I have heard Christians, definitely, uh, that have the view that everyone is entitled to their own belief. And that's not necessarily a bad position to have, but if you believe that what they believe is going to earn them a place in eternal suffering, then there's a problem with that, in that you're allowing them to be tortured for eternity, while at the same time believing that you shouldn't save them from that. It's, it's very awkward. If you really believe that uh, people who are not Christians are going to hell, then that is a, a very serious consequence. And if you don't take that seriously, I think that you might be compromising your own belief system. Those who do take their faith seriously, they need to encourage or teach those who might not how important that is. Sometimes I think Christians are afraid of being labeled as a Bible thumper or uh, to have uh, negative connotations associated with them. But that's not necessarily negative if you're a Christian, I think it's something to be proud of. There's nothing to be ashamed of if you're a Christian about the Bible or being a Bible thumper. It's something to be proud of. It's something that you take seriously. And it's something that you should encourage others to take seriously as well. And it might require you to challenge yourself, to you know, stand up in front of crowds, to talk to people that you don't know. Missionaries work in places uh, where the predominant religion is not Christianity. And that's a completely different scenario uh, than, you know, in most parts of the United States. But they they take it in stride, they accept it, and they move on. You shouldn't take rejection personally, but consider it uh, that you gave them a fighting chance give them a fighting chance at heaven. Uh, even, if, even if you do have to uh, risk offending someone or risk a friendship, uh, it's a simple matter of weighing priorities. If I were a Christian, of course, I would take the Bible seriously. I respect people who take their beliefs seriously. And I would take the Bible's teachings seriously. Among those teachings is the idea that there heaven and there is a hell. And those that accept Jesus Christ as their personal savior go to heaven. Those that don't go to hell. And the implications of that are very far-reaching. And you're an atheist? Yes, I sure am.
0: You can believe all the right stuff, if you will. But if all it is is just a bunch of head knowledge... You're no better off than that guy. I'm telling you, the church is flooded with those folks. I believe in God. I'm American. Americans believe in God, I'm American. You gotta say it that way, too. American. And it makes you a Christian. See, we don't we don't analyze it, we don't study the scripture. We don't we're, we're not taking this serious. We're, we're concerned about outside, and that's true. But we, get, we the scripture says, look inside. Look inside. And if you're not careful, if you don't put up the biblical parameters, these people are going to take over and turn it into an idiot church. That's the first sign. The second one is this one. They seek God only with their thoughts. And you tell me you haven't heard this, folks. Well, my God's a God of love. He'd never send anybody to hell. Well, my God would never expect that. Well, my God, well, yes, because it's your God, not the biblical God, which last time I checked is called an idol, which last time I checked is a sin. But you heard that. See, they make up Christianity according to their own thoughts. They say they were Christians, but then they show the true colors by jettisoning just basic biblical doctrine, biblical teaching, right? And John says, if that's what happened, they were fake the whole time, right? Watch this, 1 John 2, 18 and 19. Dear children, he said, this is the last hour, and you've heard that the Antichrist is coming, and even now what? Many Antichrists, meaning opposers of Christ, have come. Well, how do you know that? Well, he said, first of all, this is the last hour, and here's how you're going to know it. They went out from us, but they what? They didn't really belong to us. Well, how do you know? What was the acid test? Here it is. For if they had belonged to us, what? They would have remained with us, but their going showed that how many? None of them belong to us. Now, I love this passage for uh, several different reasons. Number one, it single-handedly stops the lie that's out there in the church that you can somehow get saved and then somehow lose your salvation. Excuse me? They say, oh, you're not saved by works, but you can still lose it. Excuse me. You're saying, I'm not saved by my works, which is correct, but then you say, I could work myself out of, isn't that still works? Hello? What are you trusting in? Right? Praise God when Jesus said it's finished, it's finished. Hey, let's, let's be honest, folks, with, with our own uh, depravity, right? Uh, if, if, if salvation was even just 0.0001% up to us, we'd all be burning in hell, including myself. It better be 100% complete, or this whole thing's a pipe dream. Praise God it is. Amen? But these people say, oh, you can, you can lose your salvation. And what they do is they cite this story. Well, I knew of a guy just like that. Yeah, yeah, he, he walked that aisle. And, and next thing you know, he started counting pennies. Or he was teaching Sunday school class. Or he even made it up to the deacon board, and he started to deek. Nobody could deke like that guy, right? He was a professional deeker, right? And then, and then, and so then all of a sudden he went through some hard times. You've heard the stories, right? He went through some hard times and then he walked away and became an atheist or he, he turned to Mormonism or he became a new ager or got into witchcraft or whatever, blah, 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 right? And then they say this, see, he lost his salvation. No, what's the scripture say? He never had in the beginning because if he had it, God keeps his own that's why you're involved in the Holy Spirit the moment you really get saved. But if you walked away from Christ, it may have taken a while. Maybe it took a year. Maybe it took longer. But you showed your true colors. The whole time, I don't care what you were doing in the church, you were a faker. I didn't say God did. Right? You can't lose your salvation. Now, let me give you uh, some tests on this. Because again, one of the biggest trends you would think that nobody professing to be a Christian would ever budge from is this basic core belief. Right? As a born-again Christian, you got to believe what Jesus says here, right? John 14, 6, you know it. Jesus said what? He is a way that you make up as you go. No, I'm sorry, wrong translation. What did he say? He is the way and the truth and the life. The article is before everyone on purpose. And then if you still don't get that, that he's the only way, uh, no one gets to the Father except through him, right? I didn't say he did. And you would think that's just basic Christianity, right? If you're going to come to Jesus, you know that he's it. You don't get there through Muhammad. You don't get there through Confucius. Or you don't get there through Buddha. You don't get there through self-help and self-works and self-this and that. Or trying to be a good ruler. It's through Jesus. Everybody knows that. He's the only way. You realize how many people professing to know Jesus Christ have walked away from that? And you know what? That meant they were what? They didn't lose their salvation. They were fake the whole time. It takes some time. In fact, let me give you an example. I'm going to show you a video. And you guys tell me if this guy, based on what you're seeing and hearing... Is he really a Christian? Let's take a look at this. If I had the
2: pleasure of bringing out Christ, this is just how I would do it. It ain't got to be the way you do it. You might not think it's just right, but this is how I would do it. Ladies and gentlemen, it is my honor to introduce a man Introduction. His credits are too long to list. He has done the impossible time after time. He hailed out of a manger. church today. His daddy is the author of a book that has been on the bestseller list since the beginning of time. He holds the record for the world's greatest fish fry. no camera tricks. He has a headshot on every church fan across the country. Even before the key
0: Wow, Steve Harvey. I mean, come on. I mean, Surely he's saved after that. I mean, well, first of all, stop calling me Shirley. I see that. That's not funny. Uh, Second of all, your clue, if you're paying attention, hold on a second. It sounded like he was a Christian. But if you were paying attention, there was a couple things weird going on there if you caught him. Okay, number one, there was that guy wearing a seat cushion on his head, playing piano. But that's a side note. The real issue there is, in all that Christianese verbiage, He never once mentioned the name of Jesus. Did you catch that? See, God's a generic term nowadays. But there's something about the name of Jesus. That's your first clue. So, how's his race coming, right? Because what's Paul say at the end of his life? He said, as a true Christian, he what? I fought the fight. I kept the faith. And I finished the race. So, is Steve Harvey... Keeping the faith? Is he he gonna finish the race? Listen to what he's saying now, and you be the judge. Watch this.
3: Today, I want to tell you about a guy. You may know him for his comedy. You may know him for his mustache. But today, I want you to know him for his religion. Hey, I'm Steve
2: Harvey. Stand-up comedian, entertainer, television host,
3: family man but most importantly i happen to be a man of faith steve is a very successful guy he has made more money than he ever thought he has become more famous than he ever thought but at the same time he managed to keep his relationship with god closer than ever see oftentimes people who are religious think their religion is right and everybody else is wrong There is only one way to God. But Steve's faith is unique because it's really not about that.
2: There's no one one way to heaven, no one way to paradise. It's like television. Now it's over 800 channels of cable, and they're all pretty entertaining. So I'm pretty sure, man, that to get to heaven, there's got to be more than
3: one route. isn't just talk. Steve lives by these words. He has three sons. Two of them, he gave them Christian names like Broderick, and one of them he gave a Muslim name, Ali, as a sign of respect and appreciation for the Muslim religion and the Muslim culture.
0: Oh, Steve, he lost his salvation. What's the Bible say? took a while. And if you weren't paying attention, you could have been duped early on. You sure sounded like a Christian. But what? Now you just proved yourself. They went out from us because they never belonged to us. If they belonged to us, who would have remained with us? But his going showed that he never was. He's a faker the whole time. A faker the whole time. Now that shouldn't be a surprise because you, when you look at who he's been hanging around with, Oprah Wan Kenobi, the biggest New Age priestess on the planet. Remember her? For years, as far as I still know, she would still profess to be some form of a Christian. But years ago, it's on tape. She got rebuked for saying that Jesus Christ was not the only way. Right? Remember this tape? Watch this.
4: The panel has been discussing the spirituality and the forces of God. But I also believe that there are two forces that are here with us. That we do have our, our, our God that we can depend on. But there's also a power of darkness that we
2: do need to be aware
4: of. And that's you, where the choice is. Do you begin. believe that and
5: that you can choose between one or the other? Most most absolute definitely. Yeah. Now, Marianne uh, Williamson says in her book, Return to Love, that we're always walking in the direction of one or the other, that all of your actions in life, either you're moving toward the darkness or you're moving toward the light. Yes, right. She calls it fear and love. There's this wonderful book called Ishmael by Daniel Quinn, which talks it which, which is anyway, it's a gorilla talking. But anyway, <laughs> uh, it talks about one of the points it brings out is one of the mistakes that human beings make is believing that there is only one way to live That's and right. that we don't accept that there are diverse ways. Ways of being in the world, that there are millions of ways to be a then human being. And, and many ways, no, but many paths right. to what you call God. That and her path amazing. might be something else, and when she gets there, she might call it the light. But her loving and her kindness and her generosity brings her, if it brings her to the same point that it brings you, it doesn't matter whether she called it God along the way or not. And I guess the danger that could be on that, I mean, it's, it sounds
4: great on the onset, but if you really look at both sides, there
5: I could There couldn't be a possibly be just one way. What What about oh, Jesus. Jesus? What about yeah, Jesus? I even bring him up in this whole
2: discussion, and you say there isn't only one
4: way. There
5: is one way and only one way, and well, that is possibly. through Jesus. There couldn't possibly be with because a million you of people could possibly be. Because you say, you intellectualize it and say there isn't. If you no. don't believe that, you're all buying into
0: the lie. Amen. <clears throat> now, that's what you're supposed to do in the church when somebody says that. They say, I'm a Christian, but they're flat out denying Jesus the only way. Well, you're a faker. I don't have to wonder. You just proved it right there. I've been teaching for years on a Wednesday night study called World Religions, Cults, and the Occult. And what got me going down that route was part of my background was I was involved in the occult and I was a new ager as well on top of all that, as bad as that was. And I was a part of this one world religion camp. I'd be the first one to deny John 14, 6. So I get that. I was there as a non-Christian. But what blew me away and the reason why I started that study, and I'm still teaching through it, was I came across this stat. And let me share it with you. 25% believe that it doesn't matter what faith you follow, all paths lead to heaven. That's from professing Christians. That was from Barna. And I'm going, you got to be kidding me. That means one in four are fakers. Because how do you deny Christ being the only way? It's only through his cross. That's it. There's no other way. I began to teach that study several years. And then a couple years ago, I came across an updated stat. And it was this. 51% believe that God accepts worship of all religions, quote, from the so-called evangelical church. So now just over half of people who consider themselves evangelical, can I tell you, you're not saved. I didn't say it. God did. Right? We're just quoting scripture. You went out from us. You said you were saved, but you're denying Christ is the only way. How can you be saved? Then, just recently, I came across this one. Nearly 70% of people who, and this is their own term, they claim to be specifically born-again Christians, say other religions can lead to heaven. Can I tell you something? That means 70% of people who claim to be born Christians who may be sitting next to you in the pew aren't even saved. Because how do you deny Christ being the only way and somehow you think you're still a Christian? i got a problem with that. More importantly, the Bible has a problem with that. You didn't have your salvation. You were never saved in the first place. It took a while to show up. But eventually your true colors uh, showed up and, and revealed the deal. You're a faker the whole time. Okay. Now, let me give you another one. The third sign is they seek God with their religion. And a lot of people, believe it or not, have turned Christianity to a religion. And then they're trusting in that to get them to heaven. And Jesus has got some harsh words for those people. Watch this. Here's what he says there in Matthew chapter 7 with this category, 21-23. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But only he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Well, he's preaching works. No, he's not. What's he say? The will of the Father is what? To believe on the Son. It's still belief. It's still faith, right? But anyway, so he says this. Many will say to me on that day, and a lot of people believe this is judgment day, the great white throne judgment. They're going to say, Lord, Lord. Notice they didn't say it just once. They said it twice. Like, they're shocked. Like, Lord, Lord. And if you know the timing of what's going on, these people have been in hell this whole time. They've been raised up at the great white throne judgment. And they're going like, Lord, Lord, what, what have we been doing in hell this whole time? What's going on? And notice they, they spill the beans. Why? They went to hell. Did we not? What? Did we not trust solely in you, Jesus Christ, and your work on the cross by grace through faith where they're saved alone? That's what we were trusting. What are we doing in hell? They didn't say that. What did they say? Didn't we prophesy? They're turning to works. Didn't we prophesy in your name? And I mean, come on, we drove out. We had a deliverance ministry. We drove out demons in your name and we performed miracles. Every one of those can be counterfeited. That doesn't make you a Christian. If you take so-called Christian things and you turn them into religion and that's what you're trusting to get you to heaven, here's what Jesus has to say to you on judgment day. Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Not I knew you once you lost your salvation because you can't. I never knew you, you evildoers. This is crazy. And folks, I'm telling you, these people are all over the place. There's a lot of people who think that, you know what, I go to church services. I try to be, be too bad. I help stack chairs, you know. And again, I'll, I'm not here to pick on deacons. We've got a bunch of deacons, but I'm a deacon. I deke. I even made it to that level of elder. I eld. Nobody can eld like me. <laughs> right? I do this. I do that. I, whatever, I prophesy. I prophesy demons and this and I, I can do that. I, if that's what you're trusting in to get to heaven, you're not saved. And boy, you're going to be in for a rude awakening. Lord, Lord, why? Because you didn't trust in Christ and him alone. But that's a category of people. And I'm telling you, folks, these people are all over the place, okay? And, and then, if they won't do that, if they don't try to turn Christianity to a religion of works, even Christian deeds, right, uh, and trust in that and show that they were faker, uh, I ran into a lot of these people, I'm sure you have, is they, they say, well, you know what, <clears throat> I just am attracted to the church because... Uh, it's for my kids. It's not for me. I don't believe any of this stuff anyway. It's just, I'm sending them to your Sunday school classes and maybe your school or whatever you got or Sunday services uh, because, you know, you know it's, it's all it is, is a bunch of do's and don'ts, you know, good morals. I don't want my kids to turn out to be a reprobate, you know, so, so I'll send them off to church. You, you've heard of those people, right? Can I tell you something, folks? Those people are all over in the church. In fact, here's one who was honest enough to admit it. His name is Larry. Watch this.
6: I would really call myself an agnostic. Um... I live my life the way I believe it should be lived, which is, as I said, very much uh, along Christian value lines. But, you know, I, I just don't, I'm not convinced, and quite frankly, I don't, uh, you know, I don't worry about it. I don't really care. I go to a church, I support the church and everything else, and, you know, I'm very much in favor of it. You know, I believe in strong morals, that, uh, you know, I have strong family values, and I want to bring that up with my children. Uh, I also have a belief that you know my views are my views, and other people believe what they want to believe, and I don't want to get in arguments or try to convince them otherwise. Logically, intellectually, I have a hard time grasping that Christianity is necessarily right. I mean, why? I mean, take Judaism for example. Why isn't that just another mythology? Why isn't that? I mean, the Romans had a mythology, Greeks had a mythology, so. You know, why isn't Christianity just another mythology? I mean, you look at Jesus Christ and you say, had to be a phenomenal human being, a phenomenal leader. He was able to, you know, call himself the Son of God, He'd have a bunch of disciples, and get a lot of people to believe that he was the Son of God and to reaffirm their belief in God. And that then evolved historically into a, a great religion my view of the uh afterlife is there is none life ends um when you die and uh you didn't exist beforehand and you will not exist afterwards
0: where's larry he's in the church but he's got to be a christian i mean he dressed nice he had a nice family no he passed the plate surely he's a christian did you see he prayed with his family at meals? That has got to make you a Christian. Is that really our standard of discernment in the church today? No wonder things are messed up. Larry's are everywhere. In fact, we, we have let the standard down biblically for so long. Larry's have gone from sitting in the chair. They're behind the pulpit. I could tell you stories all day. I've run into them. Let me share you a couple of them that were honest off-camera, if you will, who admitted they're fakers behind the pulpit, leading worship, and they're only doing it because it's a job. I'm not making this up. And they're every denomination you can think of, folks. This is what we're dealing with today. Wes, he's a Methodist. He lost his confidence in the Bible while attending a liberal Christian college and seminary. He said, I went to college thinking Adam and Eve were real people. And he explains he no longer believes that God exists. His church members don't know he's an atheist. In other words, he's lying. He explains, well, you know, they're somewhat liberal themselves and his ministerial colleagues are even more liberal. And, you know, they don't believe Jesus rose from the dead literally. They don't believe Jesus was born a virgin. They don't believe in all those other things that would, you know, cause a big stir in churches. You know, sound doctrine. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Wow. Behind the pulpit. Oh, Rick, he's a campus minister for United Church of Christ. He was an agnostic in college, but he lost all belief by the time he graduated from seminary or cemetery, whatever you want to call it. He chose ordination through UCC because it required, direct quote, no forced doctrine. They're so hurting for so-called shepherds. I don't care what you believe. Get up here. Can you put that robe on? You look good. Can you speak? That's how bad it is. No forced doctrine. Even as he graduated, he said, I knew I wasn't going to make it in a conventional church, i.e. a Bible church. He knew he couldn't go to church to teach his own theological views. He doesn't believe in all this creedal stuff, you know, sound doctrine, about the incarnation of Christ or the need for salvation. But he remains in the ministry. Why? Because these are my people. And this is the context in which I work. These are his people that I know. And in the pulpit, listen, he admits he's a liar. He's a faker. His mode is to talk as if he does believe. He says, as long as you're talking about, you know, God, Jesus, and the Bible, that's what they want to hear. You know, but, but language is ambiguous. It could be heard different ways. You know, just pepper some Christianese. They don't know. You liar. he's a Presbyterian. He's a progressive-minded pastor. He wants to see his, listen, non-doctrinal Christianity. I keep going back to this because 2,000 years ago, written under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, what did Paul say, Timothy? Sound doctrine. And every single one of these guys is what? We don't want sound doctrine. But they're behind the pulpit. And he wants to have that given validity in some way. He acknowledges he's more of a pantheist, i.e. all is God, than a theist. He thinks that many of his more educated members of his church hold to the same liberal views of his own. And those beliefs or unbeliefs are this. I reject the virgin birth. I reject substitutionary atonement. I reject the divinity of Jesus. I reject heaven and hell in the traditional sense. And I am not alone. And guess what? You're going to be rejected by Jesus Christ on judgment day. Right? Daryl, he's candid. He's doing this. You say, "Well, how could this guy do this, you liar? He's doing it for financial reasons. Watch this. It's how he provides for his family. If he openly espouses beliefs, in other words, if he told the truth, he was a faker behind the pulpit, I may be burning bridges in the terms of my ability to earn a living this way. Well, go pick peaches or make mochi or uh, change tires. That's, hey, listen, that's the only one I got right the whole time. I'm going to milk it for all it's worth. But anyway, that's right. Uh, <laughs> but don't Don't lie. You faker? This is all over the place. Here's this one. Adam, he's a, uh, in the Church of Christ. Years of ministry. He lost all theological confidence. He's now moved into atheist mode. And he, he's a worship leader. How does he do it? He said, well, here's how I'm handling my, quote, job on Sunday mornings. He's the faker. He said, I see it as play acting. Do you know what the word hypocrite means? Play actor. <laughs> he said, I see myself as taking on the role of a believer in, in the worship service and performing. Well, he stays in this because he says he likes the people. I need the job still, but he admits if he had an alternative source of income, he'd take it. He feels hypocritical, but he no longer believes that hypocrisy is wrong. And finally, John—we'd so be here all day. I could tell you stories. Uh, is Southern Baptist right? He primarily served. He was a pastor, but also as a worship leader. He was attracted to Christianity as a religion of love, but his pursuit of Christianity brought him to the point of not believing in God. He claims, I didn't want to become an atheist. I, 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 didn't, I, didn't, want to, I didn't plan on it. I, I just had no choice. Yes, you did have a choice. And he says, uh, he's not being honest with his church members. He rejects all belief in God. All Christian truth claims out, of, out at hand. He's a determined atheist, and once again, he says he stays in ministry because of finances, and he even names his price. And I quote, if someone said, here's $200,000, I'd turn to my notice this week because then I could pay off everything. You liar. Larry's have now taken over. Go back to our opening text. Guess what? You starting to understand why I said the church is now being run by idiots? Idiots? It's all about self. Turn away from sound doctrine. And the only people that we hire are those guys who would just give us pleasant things and stories made up. This is why it's so messed up. How many times do you say, man, how could that church do that? How could they support that unbiblical teaching? How could that pastor slide like that? How can that's antithetical to the gospel of Christ? Maybe it's because they're not saved. Maybe it's because that church is being run by Larry's, fakers, One guy said this, if they will not remove themselves from the ministry, they must be removed. If they lack the integrity to resign their pulpits, the churches must muster the integrity to eject them. Why? Because they're phonies, they're apostates. And if you don't deal with the facts, they're going to ruin that congregation. We have to hold the line scripturally. And dare I say, don't kid yourself if you don't think they're going to try to come in here. I deal with them all the time. Me and the fellow elders and the deacons. And as soon as they come in, we spot them in love, we confront them in love, but we ask pointed questions in love, and if they fail the biblical test, we witness to them, but you certainly ain't coming in here to cause a big ruckus. That's what a loving shepherd and leadership is supposed to do to protect the church, right? Let me give you one more, and we'll close it out, right? The fourth one, they seek God with their lips. They just give lip service, right? I mean, because all you got to do is just claim you're a Christian. Somehow you are one, right? How many times we've been duped with that one, Right? But here's what the scripture says with this one, Titus 1, 15 to 16, everything is pure to those whose hearts are pure, but nothing is pure to what? Those who are, listen, key words here, those who are corrupt and unbelieving. Is that words that God ever uses towards his bride, the Christ, uh, the bride of Christ, the church? Does he call us corrupt? Does he call us unbelieving? No. So you know that you're talking about somebody else who's professing to be a Christian, but they're not. And then he goes on. Because their minds and consciences are defiled. Such people what? Claim they know God, but they what? They deny Him by the way they live. Right? They're despicable. God never uses these terms with you and I, the true born again Christian in the church. They're despicable. They're disobedient. They're worthless for doing anything good. Now, not everybody who claims to know and claims to be a Christian, obviously you would think we would know is a Christian, anybody could say you're a Christian. And I'll just say this. How many times have we been duped politically on that one? Remember back when Bill Clinton, yeah, I remember those years too. <laughs> uh, eight years of that, right? And then, but remember when he first got, he was walking around with the Bible. Well, he's a, he must be a Christian. Come on. He showed his true colors. And I'll be honest with you. Remember Bush Jr.? He claimed to be a born-again Christian. But I still got it on file, on tape for proof for people don't want to believe me. He was interviewed after 9-11, and he was said, can Muslims and Christians, do they worship the same God? He said, "Uh uh-huh. And he says, do Muslims and Christians, the interviewer to to, uh, George Bush Jr., say that, uh, do do they get to heaven? He says, "Uh uh-huh. They just got different routes to get in there. You're not a born-again Christian than Mr. George Bush Jr. or anybody. Politics. We've been duped so many times in politics, folks. They just claim to be a Christian. Somehow they are one. No, they're not. They deny that by the way they live. You're not saved by your works. But again, if you're involved with the Holy Spirit of God, something's got to change. I didn't say perfect overnight. But something's got to change. And these people, this, this attitude is not only detrimental to them, it's detrimental to other people. Because the church is flooded with these people, right? And then it's the first-timer person sits next to one of these people that claim to be a Christian. But they're nasty as all get out, Right? I'm sure this has never happened to you. Have you ever visited a church and you did the unpardonable thing? You sat down. You know where I'm going. In my chair. And they just railed you until you literally had to get up and move. It's like, what, what is this? We're in the church. We heard about worship. But it's my chair. I've been there since the days of Noah. That chair came over on the flood. If you tip it over. It has the initials Ham, Shem, and Japheth. I don't you run in these people. Now listen, Christians, we can act like a non-Christian sometime, and I'm not condoning that. But I think a lot of the nasty behavior that you people say, oh, I'll never go to church service. I went through that one time, and this one person, they cursed me out in the parking lot. And you got t- I don't know their heart, but you know what's sad? Because we've lowered this biblical standard. Maybe the reason why people are being turned away from the church is because of the fakers in the church that are turning them away. They claim to know God but they deny him by the, and and I'm telling you this is a huge thing. Uh, atheist said this, the number one cause of atheism is professing Christians. Those who proclaim God with their mouths but deny him in their lifestyles are what the unbelieving world simply finds unbelievable. That's an atheist. He knows better. In fact, it's so bad nowadays that these people that claim to be Christians, they can't take it anymore. There's so many of them and they've moved into positions of leadership all kinds of places. They just can't take it anymore. You've heard of homosexuals coming out of closets? There's fake Christians now coming out of the closets. Have you been paying attention to the news? Let me give you one of them. You may have even sang his song. That doesn't make you saved. Watch this.
4: John Steingard, the Canadian musician, singer, and songwriter, is known as the lead vocalist for the Christian pop punk band Hawk Nelson. John became a part of Hawk Nelson in 2004 when he was only 20 years old and became the lead songwriter and vocalist in 2012. When he joined the band, the music wasn't overtly Christian, but over the years, they started to put their faith in their music more. John acknowledges that he was the loudest voice pushing for that shift, believing that it would lead the band into more success in the Christian music world. He penned hit songs like Drop in the Ocean that were about God's love. This week, he published a long, thoughtful post on social media saying, that his beliefs have changed and he can only reveal these personal details now that the band isn't playing shows or making new music. In his Instagram post, John writes, After growing up in a Christian home, being a pastor's kid, playing and singing in a Christian band and having the word Christian in front of most things in my life, I'm finding that I no longer believe in God.
0: Oh, John lost his salvation, no? He should have read first John. They went out from us, but they didn't really belong to us, for they belonged to us, they would have remained with us, but their showing going showed that what? None of them. Took a while, didn't it? Oh, he was raised in a Christian home, that don't make you a Christian. He was a pastor's kid, that don't make you a Christian. He sang Christian songs, that don't make you a Christian. He 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 was even making successful Christian albums. That don't make you a Christian. He showed his true color. He was a faker. But these guys are coming out. I just can't take any more. In fact, he's not alone. Let me give you a couple more and we'll close it out. This guy, you may have heard of him, Paul Maxwell. And uh, Desiring God writer, author of that book. He announces he's uh, no longer uh, a Christian. And I quote, he says, I love you guys. I love all the friendships and support I've built here. And I think it's important to say that I'm not a Christian anymore. And it feels really good. I'm really happy you won't be on judgment day. This is in the church. Guy writing books. The Christian's have been reading. It's supposed to be about doctrine. Let me give you this guy. This was a bombshell recently. Joshua Harris. Remember him? The bestseller, I Kissed Dating Goodbye. Remember that? Cordine said of dating. He was all over focus on the family. All this guy. This guy was the, 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 the star, man. He was it. Uh, I think it had a sequel. Churches used this curriculum, workbooks, videos, all that kinds of stuff. He wrote an Instagram post saying, quote, I am not a Christian. And he's Wait a second, but he wrote so many books and it was about the biblical court. What, how, did he lose his salvation? No, he was fake the whole time. Let me give you just one more, folks. This is, the, this is what's going on now. It's going on for so long, they're now coming down the closet. They're admitting they're fakes. They claim to know God, but they deny it, right? And this is this guy. This is Marty Sampson, a Hillsong singer. He said, quote, time for some real talk. I'm genuinely losing my faith and it doesn't bother me. It will on judgment day. This is happening all over the place. In fact, speaking of music, I'll give you this real quick. The guy's name is Tim Lambesis, and he was on a, a Christian musician. He was arrested uh, for hiring a hitman to kill his Christian wife. And then they sent him to jail, and you can check the whole thing out. I don't have time to read it all. Uh, and he started to spill the beans uh, just how fake he was on the Christian music circuit. And he admitted that they lied to their fans. They weren't Christians. But see, if you can't make it in Hollywood, there's still a lot of money in the Christian music industry. So that's your backup plan. But he tells us how bad it is in the so-called Christian music world. He says this. He said, uh, uh, in 12 years of touring, I would say that maybe one in 10 Christian bands we toured toured with were actually real Christians. For those of you hooked on math again, Break out that calculator, flip it around. What's that mean? 90% of so-called Christian bands on the Christian music circuit are not even saved. And boy, doesn't that answer some questions. Right? Most of the Christian music is sickening today. That's why I love your guys' stuff. Right? The, The stuff today is what? It's idiotic. It's self me, me, me. And then you don't even sing about God. Or if you do mention, it's just he or him. You never say Jesus. It's like, what, what, what is this? Are you singing about your husband, your dad, your boyfriend? Who's he? It's so generic. You ever thought why? Number one, I think it's spiritual warfare. There's no other name under heaven by which men might be saved, Jesus Christ. And there's no other name under heaven that the demons must cower, flee, and obey but Jesus Christ. And if I was a demon, I would get people to come up with so-called Christian music that was devoid of the name of Jesus. And that's being accepted today. 90%, he said, weren't even Christians. And that's about what we're dealing with, isn't it? Here's the point yes, rumors of wars, famines, pestilence, all that stuff, signs we're living in the last days. Yes, what's going on in Israel? Major, mega issue. Gog and Magog on the cusp, Russia, all that stuff going on. Yes, one world government, religion. But what's going on in our own midst? is a huge sign that we're living in the last days. And so I close with this. I don't know your heart but God does. If you're trusting in anything else other than Jesus Christ and his death on the cross to forgive you and if you've never confessed him and him alone as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the grave you're not saved. I don't care how long you've been going to a church services I don't care what you claim but if you deny Jesus Christ as the only way and you're trusting in your own works or something else you're not saved. You need to get saved now. It is by grace through faith, only through the work of Jesus Christ. Please turn to him. Ask him to forgive you. That's it. Please don't make the biggest mistake for all eternity. But if you're here today, now if you're a, a attendee of here, you better, when Pastor JD comes back, say, hey, we're going to give you two more weeks off. Bless your pastor because I'm telling you, and he didn't pay me to say this, by the way. Because you have been given a rarity today. There's so few shepherds today who will teach the whole Word of God, and you got one of them. Don't take that for granted. You need to pray for Him. You need to bless Him and His family and love Him and support Him. You got enough pressures in ministry, right? As the scripture says, make our joy complete. Be like minded, work together. What a concept. We're supposed to be Christians. But I will say this, maybe you're here tonight, maybe you're visiting, and maybe you've said some phrases that I hear all the time, and I'm sure Pastor JD does too. Man, that was so awesome, man. Uh, we never hear prophecy in my church. and My pastor never preached on that. Then why are you going there? I'm going to call you out. Why are you going there? Well, they, they, they got good potlucks. Excuse me? Yeah, they got good programs for my kids. What? My friends are there. But they're an idiotic church. Why would you go to an idiotic church? They're a part of the apostasy. They're a part. How could you support that which is antithetical to Christ? Don't you realize? Yes, we're not saved by works. But don't you realize that your hand is in the cookie jar? The reason why apostate churches that we're talking about tonight continue on is because Christians choose what I call convenience Christianity over obedience Christianity. And the first moment you see that that church was going south, you should have ran for your life. But don't you dare support them with your time, treasure, talents, and tongue. And then you better run for your life and support those who do and finish strong as the bride of Christ. That's how we're supposed to do it. As this guy shares, we'll close in prayer after this.
7: listen to me like you've never listened to me, ever in your life. We have got to lay our lives down for the purposes of God. This is not a Sunday school fifty at the Church of Jesus Christ. This is not an invitation to have continuous good times. This is a war for the souls of men. Come out from among them. Run. Because this is about your life! This is not just about an opposing theology or a conflicting viewpoint on Jesus! This is about your life! My mind is forever branded with the story that I heard of police officers from the city of New York as, as people were fleeing from a crumbling building. There were police officers and firemen and others that were running towards the building, saying, run for your life, at their own peril. And in some cases, I believe they knew they were going to die, but there was a sense of duty. I was crying out to God, I said, God, oh Jesus, don't let my sense of duty be last for your kingdom than these beloved firemen and policemen word for those that are perishing in the falling tower. We're living in a generation when truth is falling into the streets. I want to be among those that are not running away from the conflict but running into the conflict and say, run for your life. that focus only on success and prosperity, run, run from those who use the name of Christ only for personal gain, run from those that are picking your pocket in the name of Jesus, run, run from Gospels that only focus on self-improvement. churches were men and not Christ are glorified, run run, body of Christ, run get out don't touch the unclean things run from churches in America and Canada where there is no Bible there's no cross in the theology there's no soul searching word there's no repentance from sin there's no mention of the blood of Jesus run it's unclean, run from churches where you're comfortable in your sins. If you come into the house of God and you've got sin in your life and you're not convicted of it, you're at a table of devils. Run from pulpits that are filled with political men who are using the pulpit of God for a personal political agenda. Run! Run from those who preach division between races and cultures. Run. Run! Get out! Turn it off! Get away from it! They know nothing of God. Run from ungodly, spasmodic movements and endless, empty prophesying. Beloved church, run for your life. Run like you've never run before.
0: Fight the good fight. Keep the faith and run for your life away from all this idiotic stuff going on in the church. Hold fast to the scripture and finish the race. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, we love you and thank you so much for tonight. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the encouragement. Thank you for giving us eyes to see now. What's it like if we got some of these critters in our midst? Help us to hold true to your word. It's a protective thing. So that we're not infiltrated and put ourselves in a dangerous situation. Like Paul said, he was in danger from these people. That we could stay pure. We want anybody to come. But they're not the ones that need to be teaching or leading. They're the ones that need to be witnessed to. Help us to hold your standard to stay pure, to finish the race. But God, as always, I don't know the heart, but you do. But if there's anybody here tonight that's not truly born again, may they run to Jesus Christ for this first time ever and know the joy of your salvation and turn to him and him alone for the forgiveness of their sins and be set free for all eternity. We ask all this in your wonderful name, in Jesus' name, and all God's people said, amen.